This is the Extra Cliche Podcast. This is uh, um, Extra Cliche himself, and this is Jason, and today we're going to be talking about true crime podcasts. So, um... Yeah. Yeah, so how are you doing today, Jason? Um, busy, as always. Uh, trying to get a lot of projects off the ground, never enough time to do it, but, but, uh, I've been looking forward to having this next discussion with you uh, over, over all our really eclectic collection of discussions honestly <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah we, we we you know we can't seem to focus on one thing for too long we move on to the next thing but i i, I will say this though um our, our fans have to be just as eclectic our listeners excuse me have to be just well we probably have fans maybe we have fans right we have fans at least a few i think <laughs> our, our tens of fans <laughs> <laughs> I know my mom. Nobody's... My mom's listening. My mom's a fan. Oh. So. I, I I haven't I haven't really shared the podcast with my friends yet, uh, because uh, for one thing, they uh, they wanted to start a podcast as well, um, because we're all history majors. We all kind of graduate in the same class, but they're all both too lazy. I love them to death, but they're just really lazy and don't want to do anything. <laughs> oh no. It is. It is hard to uh, get, you know, something like this going. I mean, I've been trying to get a podcast going for a long time. I just either so busy or I'm like, oh, I'll just do it, you know, next yeah, time. But yeah. a lot of my friends, too, that um, were interested in starting a podcast with me, they're all you know, less than. Uh, um, what is the word? What's the, what's the nice way of putting it? Less than reliable on a consistent basis to record every week. So. You know, it's every once in a while maybe I'll get one of them on, but it's not going to be a recurring thing. No, you're really nice to, to say that. If it was me, you know, and my friends know how much I love them, but they're flakes and they know they're flakes. So it's just that's just my way of dealing with my friends. <laughs> I call them I call them out as as they are. That's pretty. So um, today we're going to be discussing um, true crime podcasts again. Um, that was another episode we did. It was our first episode, and um, it was fairly well-received. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, keep going on that and see how this one goes. Um, today we have two podcasts that we're going to be um, looking at. Um, the first podcast is going to be uh, Case File. Um, it is a very niche, um, I should say, podcast where you know a lot of people do enjoy case file and a lot of people really don't care for it and um a second uh, true crime podcast we're going to be talking about is going to be generation y so um so since i already know a little bit about case file i'm going to go ahead and uh bring it to you jason and see what your thoughts are just as in pre presentation and um how you felt about it uh, well, uh, just really quick, uh, Case File actually has 4.9 uh, out of 5 stars, and I haven't rated it on Spotify yet after listening to that one, and you know what, I am going to give it, like right now, live right now, I'm giving it a 5 star rating right now. Um, I really did enjoy it. Um, I thought uh, I thought the I thought the tone and the pace was actually pretty good with the uh, with the narrator. Um, he seemed to know 
enough information about the case, or at least what was given. No speculation whatsoever. None. Which I really did appreciate. I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I gave it a five-star rating. Because um, how we talked about the last ones, you know, if I was to go back and rate those, I'd probably give them, like, three or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that's just me. Uh, I, th- I thought uh, I really did... I wanted to actually listen to one more, um, but uh, I figured just one was enough because I had that other one to listen to, uh, Generation Y. So, but I really did enjoy the narrator. I, I thought the, the host was really good. His tone, just the, the mode of, of his speaking, it kept me in the story. Like, it kept me in with the case. A very interesting case, too, to say the least. Um, uh, I didn't know about it, and I asked my wife about it because she's into the true crime podcast. She had never heard about this mm-hmm. uh, crime whatsoever. Like I was describing it to her, and she was just like, "I have, n- I've never heard this story before." So, um, very, it was very interesting. I enjoyed it. I, I, I have to say, I, to the point to where I actually, you know, um, wanted to listen to another one. So with um, so case file, and what I do like about case file is. Um, he tends to take cases that are not well known. Um, originally, when I started listening to Case File, it was a few years ago. Um, he was mostly covering cases in Australia. He was doing cases from Australia. He was in cases from New Zealand. He was doing cases from United Kingdom. He was doing cases that were outside of the U.S. So cases that I had never heard of before. So it was just a brand new case, you know, because a lot of the other podcasts I listen to, they do, you know, current event cases, like current cases or, you know, cold cases and stuff like that. Right, right, right. And uh, he does cases that are not well known, especially this one that, that uh, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But um, I just really enjoyed that. And I like the fact that he also does pick cases very often that are solved. So he has a case that you know it's not too old i mean there's certain podcasts where they do pick really really old cases and um that's we'll probably talk about a couple of those on a future episode but um i do like that case file does do cases that are within 30 years old sometimes they do some that are a little bit older but it usually tends to cover cases that have been solved which is I like because it gives closure to the whole case like i i do like listening to cases that are not solved but i think i prefer to listen to cases that have been solved because then you get resolution for the whole thing and it you know it makes me feel like you know justice is served <laughs> you know what i mean right yeah i don't know i kind of i kind of like the open-endedness uh i, I get well it's not really open-ended it's just unsolved um because you know that's i mean that's just the reality of of a lot of murder cases or, or kidnappings or things like that. There's just no, there's no rest for, for, and there's no justice for those people. And I, and I think that brings, uh, you know, we can't always have a happy ending. I guess, you know, that that's just the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I kind of appreciate, I kind of appreciate those true crime. I'm not a fan of true crime, um, but I do appreciate that they don't touch, that they, go ahead and even go after the ones that are unsolvable, the ones that have no resolution whatsoever. I appreciate that um, because, I mean, what's the point of, of going after case after case that's solvable or has, you know, uh, an ending to it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So I, I, I can I can be very appreciative of that. Yeah, because um, you know, some of the cases do what is some of the true crime podcasts they do take unsolved cases and they do try to put it back into the public eye so maybe people can you know get fresh eyes on it, maybe somebody can, you know, heard something or something. But a lot of the time so a lot of those cases are just too old. And it's right, like but... you know, if you're gonna be one of those like fresh eye podcast things, but your case is like forty years old. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Has, has there has there ever been anything recorded that a podcast has brought information to light to a to a case, and you know it's helped out get some informa- more information out there, or anything like that? Well, the True Crime Garage they did cover the Delphi murders, and through their um, I don't know if it's a coincidence it. Who's to say? But um, after they covered the case, there has been some revelations in the case recently. So maybe it's a coincidence, maybe not. I don't know. But um, it is an interesting thing to kind of present. I mean, because they did cover it recently. And then I think within three or four months after they covered it, there was developments in the case. So hopefully that case will be solved because that case is one of those ones that I think is solvable at this point. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So let me give a little bit background of case file. So um, the anonymous host is Casey Caserson. I don't know if it is Caserson. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny... <laughs> Nice, nice stage name. It's a good stage name. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he is basically in a, that's his persona is an anonymous host where, you know, it's just Casey. That's what he goes by. And, um, he presents the cases in a straightforward manner, which puts a lot of people off. A lot of people don't like it because he is kind of monotone with how he presents the case. Some people like a little bit more lively host, um, but I I tend to like it. I like the way he presents it. Um, I like the fact that he gives the facts, man. <laughs> so <laughs> he he presents the case and um, gives it. You know, this these are the facts. This is the evidence. This is what the police did. This is you know the suspects. This is what happened, and he just goes from there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, no. I, I, I appreciate like just straightforward. Um, you, you can, you can automatically tell if somebody's kind of like phoning it in, or, or if they're attempting to, um, you know, if, if they, if they really haven't really practiced being a character, you know, the, the, it, it's obviously there's a tail there. You can kind of see right through their performance. So I, I, I do appreciate, I do appreciate Casey's uh, format and, and. Is him being himself. I'm sure. I'm sure that's him being him. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And um, I do do enjoy the way he presents the cases, and I do like the cases he selects for the podcast. They're really well documented. Most of them are really well documented cases. And um, yeah, he's 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 really good at presenting the case. So um, this case in question was Karina Holmes. Um, she was a let's just illegal immigrant into the u.s let's just put it that way um 
basically she was sent here on a visa I do believe it was not a working visa even though she was working in the US apparently the um, what is it the company that um, hired her it was a nanny company apparently the guy that ran the nanny company did not dot his T's and cross his eyes when he was sending people over for um, nanny services from Sweden and apparently not the correct documentation was filed so when she came over here and went missing there was no record of her ever technically arriving into the United States which caused a lot of concerns after she went missing it was you know I, I thought I thought that was very interesting uh, to say the least like uh, when I heard the the word au pair I was just like I've heard that I've heard that from somewhere like I, I knew I knew what the profession or at least I knew what the job was I just couldn't remember where I heard the term itself and then I realized where I heard it from you know where I heard it from huh Archer Archer yes <laughs> because he had a I think Brazilian au pair that he had an affair with when he was like 13 at least that's according to Archer lore <laughs> yeah Archer lore so, yeah, <laughs> it was. She was either Brazilian or she was Swedish. I don't remember, but I I do remember the au pair, and how he was very very uh, uh, um, he was he was a fan. But but no, but when I actually, you know, it's so funny though because that's where my as the case was was being presented towards me because of this. Uh, I have to say that's where my mind was going. Like, oh, okay, someone's going to have an affair with the nanny. You know, that's that's how I, I immediately jumped to that conclusion, not expecting what would happen. Actually, this that, this was far from what I was actually expecting. But go ahead, just just continue. You're 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 doing a good job here. You know, leading into the situation. Well, some may argue that indeed an affair was at least attempted towards because there was letters and emails that were sent out from uh, Karina that had hinted at something had happened while she was a nanny and so my theory was is that indeed something had indeed happened regarding her and her employer that she did not you know consent to which is why she was actually in the process of leaving to going back to Sweden when um well, pretty much before she was murdered, let's just say. And, um, and so what had happened was, is she went out to a nightclub. Um, her employer had given her access to a loft in downtown Boston. And she had been able to stay there on the weekend so that she can, you know, go and visit in Boston with her friends who were also au pairs. And, um... They were at a nightclub, and I think it was around 2 a.m. when the bars close, which is funny because I thought, one, well, that might be New York. Because I think New York, the bars close at 4 a.m. So in Boston, they close at 2, which is kind of like California. And um, she was outside the club, and she had told her friends that she was going to stay there for some reason. And... Her friends were like, "Okay, that's cool," and they left. Which that made me mad. I'm I'm not gonna. I, I I that made me mad. That made me angry when I when I heard that. I'm like, "What? 
Yes. <laughs> you know, that that really pissed me off. I don't I, to like a degree as I was listening to it. I was actually yelling uh, into the speakers of my truck as I was listening to this at work and I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" Really? <laughs> yes. So, when I used to go clubbing with my friends, I, I say clubbing, I mean bars. So, if we left together, we would return home together. That was the rule and nothing would ever break from that rule. I didn't care what your plans were afterwards is we leave together, we come home together and we will stay together the entire time so we have, you know, the buddy system. So right. when you know, when I heard that in the thing that immediately put up red flags. I was like, "Wait a second here. So you're telling me that they left a 19-year-old drunk girl at a bar by herself?" Why? Why? How does that make any sense in any way, shape, or form? Because there's so I, I, many true crime podcasts where right. this exact scenario happens and the person does not come home. <laughs> you know? I mean, and I, I think the worst part about it was that they, they, they painted like, oh, you know, she's from Europe and this is America. She didn't know any better. Like, no, I think your friend. I think her friends were pretty well versed and experienced in the country. They should have known not to leave a drunk friend behind. You know, especially. Well, I'll keep going. I don't want. I don't want to spoil anymore. I don't. Know. <laughs> keep going. Well, it's, it's especially in an area she's not familiar with. I mean, she had only been right. in Boston for three months. So, and. Likely, she hasn't even been in that area for an even shorter amount of time because I don't think she was even going to visit the loft until at least a month and a half after she got there. So that immediately put up red flags for me because I was like, well, why would they just leave her there? That doesn't make any sense unless, you know, she wandered off or something like that or, you know, I, I don't. I don't know, but there's so many true crime podcasts out there where they literally do the same thing and the person never comes home and they're like, well, we, we kind of just left her there. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like it's called a cab, especially in 96 where a cab was only like maybe five or six bucks, you know, to take a cab home. Like it wasn't even, you know, like now where it's like, oh, I need a cab cab ride home. And it's like $60 to drive, you know, three blocks. Right, right. Whereas in 96, it was like chump change. So, I mean, that yeah. immediately was like, okay. And then they, when they left her, she was outside the club dancing with random passerbys down the street. Um, she went and she was dancing with a homeless person off the side of the road. Yeah. There was a guy that was just wandering around in... He, he, he was walking his dog at 3 o'clock in the morning in downtown Boston. Oh, that was already suspect for me, like, when, when I heard that, like... <laughs> and then the people that had said that, oh, yeah, he, he does that all the time. And I'm like, that is not a normal thing for people to do. <laughs> like, right. Like, and they're like, well, the only reason he does that is he stops to accost girls as they're leaving the club. And I was like, yeah, that kind of that kind of tracks with me. That That does seem like something some creepy freaking guy would do at 3 o'clock in the morning in downtown Boston is have some sort of excuse to talk to random girls as they're leaving the bar. I mean, he's got a cute dog with him. It was a cute little, well, it was a big dog. It was a white dog who was walking down the street in, has, uh, you know, in front of the club, you know, 
heaven forbid. And um, so he was using, obviously he was using the dog to try to get an in with girls that were leaving the club, you know, cause like, Oh, there's a guy here with a really cute dog. I'm going to go say hi to the guy with the dog. And then he would use that to try to accost girls that were there. And um, so that was immediately, you know, sus <laughs> as the kids say. And yeah. so um, her friends end up leaving. And so she's there and she obviously never makes it home. And so the, um, so what is it? So her friends end up calling her employer and say, Hey, you know, is, did, you know, Karina ever check in with you? Did she, um, you know, you, have you heard from her or anything? And the guy was like, well, no, I haven't heard from her at all. So he drives down to his loft to see if she was there. And so when he gets there, there's no sign of her basically coming, returning to the uh, uh, the loft. But because she kind of left a huge mess when she left, it was kind of in flux. Whether she returned or not, there was not really any way to know if she did. Because, you know, the bed was a mess. Her clothes were everywhere. And there was, you know, basically the whole loft was in disarray. So. Right. They couldn't really say whether she returned or not. So he was like, well, we'll just kind of, you know, figure out and see if we can find her. And so while they were doing reconnaissance to see if they could find out where she was, a homeless man was out searching for cans in the um, garbage bins. So as he was looking for cans in the garbage bins, he finds a bag that he opens and it was, you know, it was a bag inside of a bag inside of another bag. And he opens it up and finds a human torso. Oh, no, it was a human arm. So he finds the arm and immediately runs and contacts the police. And they investigate and they find that um, it is indeed the arm of a, a human female. And um, so they do their due diligence and they find out that it is indeed Karina's arm. So um, at that point, they had tried to find out who she was and why she was there and where she came from. And that's when it turned out that, you know, the company that had hired her did not do their work to bring her to the United States legally. And that caused a lot of issues in the beginning. So that was that. <laughs> right. I, 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 this, I mean, this case alone, I mean, it was, it's just something else. Um, so many red flags and so many things. I think... You know, um, what was sad about it also, too, that the gentleman who um, who was walking the dog at 3 a.m., uh, he ended up committing suicide. Well, yeah, but um, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, that – so what they do is they do the old pervert roundup. So they go in and they, you know, they they have – but her employer, so the guy she was hired to, um, the guy that hired her to be the nanny, they brought him in for questioning. They dug up some, you know, domestic violence thing from six years prior that he, you know, he committed assault on his wife, domestic abuse, which was, you know, six, I think it was six years. I think it was 91 that he had done that. And, uh, basically... What ended up happening is his wife said that he was, you know, 
a serial alcohol abuser and it was kind of a one-time thing and he you know he felt remorse for it and he went to recovery and so during the um the agreement between the wife and him was if he sought out counseling and alcohol recovery that she would drop the charges which he did and so the charges were dropped and um he indeed did have a solid alibi for um, the time of the the murder although there was a lot of suspect things that he did during that time that brought him back into questioning a few times and then he also after being interviewed by police he did do the um media statement where he says oh the police have um dropped me as a suspect when in reality you know they they did not <laughs> but i mean like anybody can say anything to the media and the police will more than likely neither confirm nor deny the su the claims on the um suspect because right. you know they're not at liberty to discuss ongoing case details so he had initially claimed that he was, you know, found innocent, but that was not the case. He was still very much in a suspect pool. <laughs> so they went and they also found some random um, punk rock performer who was, he brought in some, what is it, risque, um, what is it, performance performances when he would perform on stage they brought him in because you know apparently he conducted bdsm on stage so they brought him in you know because reasons and then they yeah, i thought that was weird <laughs> yeah well i mean they're grasping at straws at this point they they don't have anything so then they contact the they find out who the guy with the dog was so they contact him and they immediately get a letter from the lawyer of the guy saying he will not in any way, shape, or form come down to the police station. Which I thought was like, well, that's, that's red flags times 10. So I was like, that is red flags times 10. I was like, who does that? Like, that is weird. At least make some kind yeah. of statement or something. You know what I mean? Like... I was oh, there, absolutely. I saw the girl, but nothing happened or something. You know, even if it's a total lie, at least have some kind of statement to the police. But he didn't even go that far. He just said, I will not make any statements to the police. Do not interview me. And then he ceased all communications. And I was like, that is really weird. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever heard that happening on any of these true crime podcasts. Not once. So weird. Yeah, that is, that is weird. Like that, you're, if you're not wanting to be a, I guess it's just one of those things where it's like you don't want to be a suspect. Okay, try to cooperate as much as possible. I, you know, you're 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 because at, at this point it's going to to the court of public opinion. You know. Yeah. And that that right there, the court of public opinion is probably like the worst court to look guilty for. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know? And it didn't do him any favors at all. Mm -mm. Not at all. Not at all. No. So people were already suspects. You know, they were already narrowing in on him. And so he was being, you know, harassed in town. He was not allowed to go. He was not able to go anywhere. People would seek him out, you know, and try to ask him questions and stuff like that. And he was basically self-isolating. 
And um, and as that was going on, they were also going after the um the employer still. Sorry. Oh yeah. Oh, they were going after the employer still because apparently he had um, basically requested um. What is it? A permit to dump um trash at the local dump or no the recycling center so apparently he had requested to donate trash at the recycling center i think on that saturday that she was found murdered which was you know brought red flags again <laughs> i keep saying the word red flags but immediately brought him to um question by police so police were like, that's really weird. And that is a weird coincidence. And the guy was saying, oh, it's just a coincidence. I brought my kids down with me. We had a good old recycling adventure. And uh, apparently that, you know, was. The police passed it off as a coincidence. But I, I, I don't know if I believe that. Because the next thing that happens is, is right outside the loft where the um, Karina was staying, there was a dumpster fire. So right outside the loft, there was a dumpster fire, and the police, they immediately went down to the dumpster, they set up, they put out the fire, and they took all the evidence back with them. And um, inside the fire were women's um, undergarments, which I thought was really, really strange. <laughs> out of all things to be burning, it's women's undergarments, but that's what was in there. And... The police had found a fingerprint on the original trash bag that had her um, torso in it. So the police had, I forgot to mention, the police had also found her torso. And so they found a um, fingerprint on the torso, but it did not have enough allele, alleles. Is that what they call them? The fingerprint circles? Didn't I want to say that's what they are. I think they're called alleles. I'm not 100% sure here. Yeah, so it didn't have enough alleles on the fingerprints to make a positive match to anybody. I mean, it probably could be, I mean, at least get them a starting point, I would think, but I don't know. Courts are weird. So they couldn't get a confirmed match because of the fingerprints. So the only thing they had to go off of was the employer of the girl, whose name I cannot remember, and the guy with the dog. So, at this point, the police don't really have any solid evidence to um, basically arrest anybody. And so, they make a public statement. They ask, you know, they do a out public outcry. Um, Karina's body is then sent back to Sweden for um, basically uh, the funeral. And something else happens. So I'm going to let you go over right. that. So this next ad break is brought to you by Rep Sports. So um, I have a promo code. So Rep Sports Peloton for Wife is my old promo code. <laughs> so if you go on repsports.com, you can get 15% off your order at of any item. So um, if you like workout supplements and... You like um, vitamins, BCAAs, EAAs? You can use my promo code, and you'll get fifteen percent off your order. Um, thank you. So, um, 
like I said before, um, I think the one person I think that that besides the young lady who obviously you know feel bad for the fact that she died, you know there was another victim to this, and that was the fact that uh, the the guy with the dog, um, you know he committed suicide, you know because you know once again you know the court of public opinion is one, oops, is one of the worst courts to be, at least to be labeled guilty in, you know, and he just couldn't handle the stress, he could, I, I think, I think they, I think, uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he was in therapy, or at least his therapist came forward and said he had, like, mental, mm-hmm. you know, he had, he had depression or anxiety or something like that, and, yeah, he, he was suffering you know. from severe mental illness at the time, which is why he didn't want to meet with police investigators when they had approached him. Um, they also right. did investigate his where, you know, his home, and they did not find any evidence that she was murdered there. So um, they still had no idea where the crime scene actually was committed, because you know she was sawed into pieces, and they never did find you know her lower torso. So obviously, I mean. He did look very suspicious, but at the same time, there was absolutely no evidence to tie him to the crime at all. Right. So, I mean, some people still believe that he was the killer, but I strongly, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think his actions were very suspect, but at the same time. If he did commit the murder, there would be at least some kind of evidence that would tie him to it, and there just wasn't. Well, they they didn't right. find anything. And um, no, I, I, no, I totally get that. And 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 the thing was that I I felt I felt bad for the fact that you know this guy ended up committing suicide because he just couldn't handle the the, the nonsense that was coming from it. And I, I can totally understand that, okay, you're suffering from mental illness. You don't want to talk to the cops and whatever because it's going to, you know, mental illness can easily make someone guilty to the cop's eyes, I think, in, in some oh, yeah. it's the, de- depending on what it is, you know, whether it be like a nervous tick or, or well, maybe I mean, aggression or something yeah. like, or whatever the case is, you know. I mean, look at the West Memphis Three, and that's that's very, right. very strong proponent of, you know, these people need some sort of you know even though they're you know 19 20 year old kids they need you know representation if they're ever 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 going into police custody you just i mean you can't just let these kids go show up into you know an interrogation on their own and expect you know anything remotely to come of it that is you know in their best interest because you know police don't care at this point I mean, they they just want their collar is is all it is, is they don't care who they convict. They just want a conviction to ease the public. You know what I mean? Right, because there was there was panic that that came from this uh, because people honestly thought that somebody was somebody was going around the nightclubs and you know knocking people off, uh, chopping up people you know at night if they just you know they just so happen to talk to this person. So I can only imagine the the public was probably terrified, uh, and so the cops were desperate for to pin the crime on somebody, you know. But I, 
you know, my personal opinion of the matter. I, I, I think, I think they're, they, have, they need to look at the employee, the, the, the employer or the person, not who sent her, but who she was living with. Mm-hmm. I think, I think this is, uh, you know, it makes, I don't know. I, I feel like there's just, there's more there, but then again, you also had these two other gentlemen that were seen on CCTV along with the dog guy, uh, that she was speaking to. Yeah, and there those, was also those two the, guys never came forward. Yeah, and there was also those uh, you know witness accounts, but you can only take those witness accounts with a grain of salt because most of the people that were outside the nightclub, or people that no, were no, out, the people that were outside the nightclub were indeed intoxicated. So you can't right. really, I mean, you can take what they said, what they said, but. At the same time, you can't really, you know, they're not so reliable because they all had different accounts. And there was a couple of people that had incorrectly identified the woman, uh, Karina, as being in another place where she obviously wasn't. So right. that also didn't help things. And um, I usually don't do the suspect zero um, theories. I don't like the suspect zero theories. But at this point, I think maybe the Suspect Zero Theories does have some weight. I think there is some weight to Suspect Zero in this case. Usually I kind of stray away from those because it, most of the time it does not make any sense. But at the same time, in this case, since they cannot find any link to their known suspects to the crime or... The woman, I think the Suspect Zero case does fit. So, in case you don't know, the Suspect Zero theory is basically a criminal, where it be serial killer or not, does has absolutely no ties to the victim at all whatsoever, and it just so happens to be a crime of opportunity, where they've, this is the very first person and only person they've ever committed a crime against and they do so somehow without leaving any sort of physical evidence and escapes prosecution from the crime which in a in the real world this <laughs> hardly ever ever happens i i you know peeps criminals are not smart you know they always do something that screws them over and the police end up catching them but for this case it just did not happen that way i don't know if it was by design or just happenstance but for some reason this is just how this crime ended up happening which is crazy to me oh absolutely and um thank you for explaining what uh suspect zero was because I, I I wanted to pretend as much as possible like I knew what exactly what you were talking about. And uh, I'm sure you can edit in a way that makes me sound like I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So, but no, no, that's... <laughs> so, um, that, yeah. Let me, let me get a little bit of background here. So, um, the Suspect Zero is what a lot of guilty people try to use as a way to kind of distance themselves from the crime how they'll say they're either framed or you know it just so happens that 
you know, it was just a coincidence that this person was killed when, you know, I met with them in the morning and then they disappeared. Like some sort of random person just shows up and intercepts them on the way. But normally, you know, that idea is ridiculous. Like there's no way that, you know, that person had such bad luck that they just run into some random serial killer <laughs> who kills them. I mean, right. it's, it's just silly. Like, normally, when a crime is committed, there is some kind of tie between the victim and the you know perpetrator. There's, there's some kind of tie between the two. But sometimes, I mean, it does happen where there, there is no tie. And it's just some random person just happens upon an innocent victim... In the middle of nowhere at the middle of the night with nobody around and they commit the crime and they're never caught i mean it does happen but the chances of that happening in such a way are so minimal i mean people try to make it seem like this kind of thing happens all the time you know in the mainstream media and you know the news and all that they try to make it seem like this kind of thing happens but it it really doesn't I mean, the chances of you getting murdered, walking from, you know, you say you work night shift, right? You work night shift at the gas station, you get off work and you walk three blocks from your house. Like, the chances of you getting abducted and murdered are probably pretty small most of the time. But right. I mean, the, the chance is always there, but I mean, like, it's like that normally doesn't happen i mean usually most crimes are committed by somebody who is in some kind of connection between the victim you know what i mean oh yeah but you know it's like adnan syed it's like what are the odds of that happening you know it's just i i, I know i dropped adnan syed we're gonna get hated <laughs> Are you trying to get us canceled, man? <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, but it just, it just, you know, it brings the question to like, how safe are you, you know, on a normal day to day basis? Because I am a strong believer in the fact that there are serial killers active. You know, there are people that are active that are serial killers that are out there. And it's just nobody's finding the bodies is, is what I strongly believe is I think that it's not like it was in the 1980s, 1990s, where police are finding bodies in, you know, random remote areas. You know, they're finding skeletons. I think that the criminals are finding better ways of hiding them. And so you hear about all these people that go missing and are never found it's because there are active serial killers out there that are, you know, somehow kidnapping these people, killing them, and disposing the bodies in such a way that they're never found. Is that's that's what I believe. It brings it back to you know that show, um, the Blacklist. Do you remember that show, The Blacklist? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know how they had that um, the soup maker. Remember that. Yeah. So that that just brings me back to that. Like maybe there are cleaners that 
exist out there somehow in the back channels that are able to disappear bodies. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I've, you know, always wondered if, how you get into that kind of profession. <laughs> you know. But, like... but I, I mean, you know, and not saying that I would want to jump in. I'm just kind of curious how you get started in something like that. But no, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you saw the show, Barry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, what was it? They got that new show that's kind of like that. It's called The Janitor. Have you seen that one? No, I have not. Ex- ex- except this time, it's a woman this time. Yeah. And she was like a, she's like a housemaid, and she witnesses a murder, and she ends up getting hired by, I think it's either the, either the guy she's working for is part of the cartels, and she witnesses a murder, and she cleans up, and then she becomes a cleaner for the cartel oh, guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the sad so the sad thing about this case is a lot of the information that um, is out now is all behind a paywall. So, if you're trying to do some research on this case, it's gonna be kind of hard to find anything without actually having to pay money to these online you know news articles that have you know they claim to have some sort of developments in the case but you know there's no way of knowing without paying their monthly subscription fee because i guess that's the new thing is you know news isn't free online anymore you have to uh pay pay for information which you know i was doing my due diligence earlier today trying to find some uh developments on the case finding new articles because I do think it was the was it fifteenth anniversary or something like that the other day. And um or not that long ago it was like the fifteenth anniversary because it was this happened in ninety six, so it would have been like the fourteenth anniversary I don't know. I can't math. But um yeah, so I was trying to find I was trying to find any new information about this case, but I was not able to without having to pay money to the Boston uh, Globe, which was not um, something I was willing to do because I strongly believe that the article probably didn't have any new information about it. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, 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 ad break, real quick. 